You're listening to The Professional Blur, a podcast hosted by me, Jason Klom. Hi, everybody. This is The Professional Blur. I'm your host, Jason Klom. My guest this week is Janie Haddad Tompkins. Thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for pronouncing my name very well. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad I did. I will tell you, as a person who gets called clam all the time, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's one of my one of my pet peeves. Um, so tell people a little bit about who you are, what you might best be known for, what kind of stuff you do for some context. Well, I am a sometimes working actor. Um, I mostly do comedic stuff. Um, I I think probably what I'm best known for is I um, I was on um, a cartoon for eight seasons called Regular Show on Cartoon mm-hmm. Network, and um, that had a lot of fans. So um, I worked on that for eight seasons, and I basically, I don't know. Oh, I have a podcast that uh, I started during the pandemic with my mm-hmm. husband. It's called Stay F Homekins. And it is a stream of consciousness conversation absurdist podcast. Mm-hmm. We could put it out once a week. Um, and you can find that anywhere you get your con- uh, podcast content. So I don't it's know. a delightful show. It's, well, thank, it's, thank you. Thanks for listening to it. Of course. It's a lot of fun to listen to. Um, so let's start here. And, it, you know, it, we're probably going to end up going all around the place. But you're not from Los Angeles. Um, but I'd like to know what your first time on a set is, whether that was in L.A. or not. Okay. Well, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And my very first time um, on a set was in high school when a movie came through town um, that I did backgrounds. I did a day of background work on. I was in high school and the scene was at a high school. So they needed high school looking students Mm -hmm. and the movie is called terminal bliss Mm -hmm. and i actually in preparation for this podcast tried to find a copy of terminal bliss and it proved to be kind of challenging so i Mm -hmm. never got to you know watch it like this to bruder film to see if (laughs) i was spottable in the in the lunchtime yard Mm -hmm. Um, so that was that was my very first time on a on a set on a film set. Was that um, was it something you saw on the paper on TV? Radio? I have been trying to remember how I learned about this need for uh, high school looking background. Mm-hmm. It was I think it was on a Saturday too that they filmed the scene. And I, I want to say it was through a friend at the high school that I was like in drama club mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so um, someone I went to school with somehow knew about it. And I don't know how she knew about it. Um, and I think it was me and her and one other friend that showed up for this day of work. I want to say we got paid $50. It's interesting. That generally is like what how everybody says. Yeah, I got paid about 50 bucks, And people have been talking about that. Like that seems to have been up until recently, basically how much everybody ever gets paid as an extra. I it's, think it's this weird flat number. That we there's all... a flat number that you, they had to pay non-union mm-hmm. actors that still exists, but it might be maybe it's 150 today. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little higher. I think it's just now based on minimum wage, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I 
think I think that's sort of what the, is like a minimum eight hour day with minimum. And I can never remember how much that actually is, even though I yeah. did extra work and not that long ago because I quit <laughs> my job. Um, but uh, so. All right. What was your concept of extra work before you got on set, though? What did you think you were going to be doing versus what you ended up doing? That is a good question, because that was a long time ago. I'm mm -hmm. almost probably sure um, based on my love of you know, theater and acting and TV and this being my first time ever on a set that I thought I would meet someone on that set that would be like, oh, you're a serious actress. Mm -hmm. You're like, you know, the next Meryl Streep or something. And uh, here's my number. Give me a call, kid. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and it was not anything like that at all. <laughs> was it? a massive disappointment or just like, oh, this is what it's really like now. I've, I'm preparing my brain for it. I think it was more, um, I was, uh, this is what it's really like. I'm preparing my brain for it. But it took like many, many times of me doing stuff like that to really understand what it's really, really like. <laughs> was it just the one day? It was just the one day that time, oh. yes. And it was, who did it star again? Was it Luke Perry? Or Jason Priestley. I, I can never tell the difference. Oh, no, I was going to ask you because <laughs> I get them. Who was the, the one that died too young? Oh, right. But... Geez, I, I, I feel terrible for not remembering. What was Jason the name of the film again? Blue, uh, Terminal Bliss. Thank you, Terminal Bliss. The reason I couldn't remember is because when I looked it up, the French title was slightly different and weirder. <laughs> um, uh, oh, my goodness. Where you? Luke Perry. There we are. Luke yeah, Perry, Luke Perry, the one yes. that recently passed away mm -hmm. too young and who apparently was beloved. I mean, people who worked mm. with him really admired him. I did not get to meet Luke Perry, mm -hmm. of course. Sure. Um, I I did, when I went on a search for that movie, because I really did want to see it and see the scene that they shot out on the out exterior of the high school. Mm -hmm. um, I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube about it where uh, people were commenting on the movie. Like they really thought it was this, pretty good movie for the time like i guess it was sort of along the lines of like a less than zero okay because it came out like in the it was like late 80s or early 90s and it had sort of that you know youth gone wild kind of like privileged mm. youth gone wild uh thematics to it kind mm -hmm. of a thing and um people really loved the other actor in it they were like, oh, he was completely underrated or something. Would that be like, Tim Owen? Possibly. Tim, we've got Tim Owen, Luke Perry, Alexis Arquette is in it. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Alexis Arquette. I remember was that there the day of the extra work. Oh, okay. If Tim Owen is the second lead, then yes. People it looks like, like it, yeah. And um, then I saw that the director of the film ended up on this comment thread on YouTube just a year ago. Uh -huh. Because people had um gotten mad about the film because the distributor that he worked with apparently was a hot mess oh, and God. they bungled the rollout of the film or the mm. marketing of the film and so it was completely underappreciated according to fans of terminal bliss yeah yeah i um, could only i could only find the thing on vhs for twenty dollars yeah, I don't have a way to watch on VHS, and then mm -hmm. I get, and then someone was saying like, "Oh, if you find the original like CD imprint, the director was like, let me know. I would like to see it.'" And I was like, "He's the director." Oh my God, 
So then I was like, oh, do I like look for him on Twitter and say, I was an extra in your movie when I was a teenager and I want to find it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, stranger things have happened through Twitter. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think so. Holy cow. I so hate, I was uh, that's so crazy. Yeah, I was interested to see it, but I didn't get to see it. But maybe one of your listeners has access to it somehow. For real. And if you have the DVD, which I, from what I can tell, is a bootleg from the vhs if i'm not mistaken yeah uh then you know same same thing send it along because yeah there's nowhere that's so weird to me that that never even got one of those weird sideways releases where it's like hey he's famous the director thought too yeah (laughs) maybe he should be your next interview i i don't know I wouldn't put it past me. I've interviewed. I interviewed today the editor of Alf magazine from 1989. Oh <laughs> so my you know goodness. what? Uh, you know, people like to be interviewed sometimes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of staying home. Also and, that, yeah. Yeah, so it's nice to connect <laughs> with people through technology too. Did you ever have any? I mean, we all observe stuff while we're on a set, but was your perspective mostly just from from like wanting to be an actor or did you do any of the, oh, I get to figure out how a set works kind of thing or was it both? Um, Mostly just as an actor. Mm -hmm. uh, The set works stuff came later for me i i it because this was sort of first of all it was an outdoor shoot with a large crowd scene um so i wasn't like i was sitting near video village and all of that like i didn't have any concept of probably what was going on when and you know there uh, there are probably like 100 extras there okay that's sizable that is sizable yeah were uh so your first time on set is actually your first extra gig because my next question is always what's your first extra gig but um was there any any like crazy confusion i just know that if i were a teenager i would have panicked i wouldn't have been able to handle it i barely handled it at 23 the first time i did it so was there any like weird (laughs) like what the hell do i do because usually ad's can run the gamut from as all humans can super nice to very brusque and please get the hell out of my way and do your thing I know that is very true. Um, I think this one had like a nice AD and we were just told to be like, we were at lunch at high school. So, okay. it went, so I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel pressure in terms of, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm not visible in this movie. I don't think mm-hmm. the camera was anywhere near me. <laughs> you never know. Like it's, it's hard. Well, to, that I mean, is another weird thing is you really don't know. Right. Yeah. This is this is me on Mad Men when I had hair. Oh, that is you. <laughs> yeah, I always make sure to do that. I always that's always one of the ones in the battle. But but the thing is, like, because I'm obsessed with this, I'm very good at spotting even people I've never tried to sure. spot before. That's again why I was half tempted to spend twenty dollars on that VHS and just I bet I can spot her. I bet really? I can figure it out. I there's a half a chance. I just there's hope someone has a CD out there and they'll me put too. it in a, in a Dropbox for us. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hoping people fingers crossed how many times were you on the mad men set uh i think i was on mad men that's like the most of any like single show probably i don't want to say a dozen it was probably less than a dozen it felt longer because the days are so long and but and i was a regular extra by the time i quit i had all these suits cut for me and all this stuff and yeah i was gonna ask did they costume you they did eventually and they're like hey cutting three suits for you here's your glasses you get your own hat your own and then uh, i got offered a nine to five job and i got out of it oh yeah well (laughs) i was gonna say like having like the 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 level of background work where they actually costume you i've never I've never done. And to me, that seems like the ultimate luxury of background work. 
It is. I mean, you cannot show up with a suitcase full of your own crappy clothes from Old Navy with holes in them and and be like, <laughs> and then they judge them. Oh, uh, that's yeah. a whole. Okay, we'll oh, get yeah. it. We'll get in. I don't want to <laughs> forge ahead of your interview here, but yeah. Well, the hardest part though was not for me. It was for all. Oh, I can't point all these women. All the work they were like rollers in your hair the night before. Mm-hmm. All the all the pre work you have to do as a woman on a period show. I'm just like, no, no. I plus couldn't. the probably under garments they had to, the foundation garments they had to wear were less comfortable than what you got to wear even with oh, the absolutely i didn't yeah. have to wear i've only i've had to wear a uh uh what do you call it um what's the word? yeah of course at once and okay. that was for a 20s period that was for the aviator where they had they just forced us into it to fit into these oh tuxes and halfway through we just all undid oh yeah it's a, that's a whole okay yeah we can get into <laughs> stuff like that okay <laughs> you're reminding me of jobs Good, good. See, they're not is, uh, all extra jobs, but they're jobs that sure. might fall into the category. Yeah. Is that so? Is that your l- first and only extra gig back home? Was everything else in New York or LA, or did you do uh, more stuff back home? Uh, I, I that was my only background work back home. I okay. I did get eligible for my union card because I did a local uh, grocery store commercial or regional. Oh, awesome. Sorry, regional grocery store commercial mm-hmm. in college. Okay. Um, I had just graduated from college and I went to like an open call and I ended up in a Publix and Publix is like a grocery store on the Southern mm-hmm. East, Coast, uh, East coast. And because of South Carolina is a right to work state, which means they don't have to hire. Wait, I'm going to mess up what right to work is, but it's not good for union workers. Right. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> It means like you can hire people who are not in the union all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But if you work on a union job, you become eligible for the union. Okay. For the okay. acting. Somehow I became eligible and I like, that was like my back doorway into the unions. Mm-hmm. Like three years later, I went to I went to grad school, and then three years later, I bought my way into. Uh, okay, I'm messing this up. Sorry, <laughs> I bought my way into SAG right away with mm-hmm. the money I made on okay. the commercial, and then after one year in SAG, you become eligible for this sister union. Oh, okay. So once I graduated grad school three years later, I bought myself into Actors Equity because I wanted to work in New York City. Okay. And that's the union card that you need to gain access to theater auditions. All right. That makes sense. So this whole South Carolina. Yeah. This whole like South Carolina thing was, uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but for me was a good shortcut into the union. Mm-hmm. Because then when I, by the time I moved to New York and then moved to LA, I was already union level. Do you have a copy of that commercial? How long was it on your reel for? I'm curious if ever. It is somewhere. I do have a copy of it on a VHS, like in the garage. Yeah. And all I did was eat blueberries. I was like a bride and I mm-hmm. ate blueberries. I didn't speak because there was like a voiceover and like soft music. Oh, okay. And I do remember when I shot the commercial, I would put a blueberry in my mouth and then spit it into a bucket that someone was holding, crouching down next to my waist so I could do take after take of putting the blueberry in my mouth. That's so weird. I know. Seems so uncomfortable. Was it uncomfortably like, sorry, plop, here's a used blueberry in the mouth. That might have been, yeah, it was really weird. And I I feel like that, that particular experience on a set was 
uh, was very educational as like a 21 year old, mm-hmm. um, like being on, I guess it was only my second set because mm-hmm. I was background in high school. And then this was like, I was on, on camera this time, but not speaking. Yeah. And, uh, like there was just like so much I didn't know, but I kind of felt like I rolled with it and learned and acted like it was natural to spit blueberry. I just like sure. faked it. I uh-huh. didn't faked it. Yeah. So it wasn't until I moved to New York and LA after all my acting schooling stuff that I started doing background again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, so you're technically the star of the commercial, but you have zero lines, but it was enough to get you into the union anyway. Correct. That's interesting. See, Correct. this shows how little I understand about this, this stuff. And well, I don't union. think I even knew that, it, like, I don't think I even understood that this little, uh, uh, eligibility that I acquired by accident by booking that job just by accident uh, at a catacall was so valuable for the journey ahead of me. Yeah. It wasn't until like I was in drama school and people started talking like lamenting about like getting into these unions. Okay. Yeah. You know? And then I was like, oh, I'm not waiting. I'm, I'm going to p- take all my savings. I'm going to get in it. Like I'm not going to New York, not in the union. Mm hmm. Like I was SAG and then I was like, I'm going to be equity by the time I moved to New York. Like that's, and then I would like get up at six, like I would like sign up for equity. I'd get up at like six in the morning when I moved to New York because I I would work 10 jobs. Mm-hmm. So I would go to the equity calls, the equity open calls at like six in the morning mm-hmm. and sign up for like a lunchtime slot mm-hmm. and then work my lunch break around like going to do like my monologue for oh, wow. these equity open calls. Holy crap. Yeah. That's, so that's I was good. like, I feel it was, it was, I never got anywhere. No, I did. I did. I booked one job in Minnesota. I did like regional theater. I did a regional theater job. Mm-hmm. I got that way, but like, I must've gone on like, I don't know, dozens upon dozens of auditioning to even like get, a small equity contract in wow. rural rural Minnesota for like rural Minnesota. during the winter. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Ooh, I spent three days in Minnesota for the first time a year <laughs> and a half ago, and I love my friend who lives there, but I never want to go back. Were now. you there in the winter? Yeah. Oh, I like. I love Minnesota. I think yeah. it's awesome. But most of the time I had been there, I have cousins that live there. So mm-hmm. most of the times I had been there had been in the summer. That's fortunate. So, so it yeah, was that would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand the winter thing. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah. So, okay. So I, we have a, a loose idea of that. So then you go to New York. Do you, so mm-hmm. when you did extra, did you do any extra work on any shows or anything in New York? Or was that all in LA? No, I, I, I remember I did extra work on Sex in the City. I was really, I was literally just hoping you would say Sex in the City. Really? And then, yeah, I was like, I've never seen this show, but I'm like, come on, somebody, I have to meet somebody who's at least done that show because it's, it's an iconic show, even though I've never seen it. I loved Sex and the City. I, I think I did, I think I was also like, I lined up to be in like a Spike Lee movie and I didn't get oh, wow. selected or I got paid for the day and sent home or something. I just remember I was in a lot of different like temp job uh, pools and mm-hmm. also had like signed up for like extra work like pools so like if my phone rang like if i got like 
like it didn't matter who called first like i would do whatever job came first so yeah you know like that kind of thing okay and i was like in the temp jobs i did were mostly entertainment related so like yeah although none of it helped me i mean i didn't meet anyone that that i connected with that had a gatekeeping Oh, and if you had, they'd have been an asshole to you anyway. Let's face it. They wouldn't. I mean, I did. I I did do temp work for like three solid months at Miramax in Tribeca. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I was just lucky that I got out of that place without any incident. Terrible. Did you, uh, can we see you on Sex in the City? That's always the question. No, but I remember the specific uh, scene. Kim Cattrall was on a date with a guy with like a gray ponytail and it was in a restaurant that was not a real restaurant it was a restaurant set that was at like silver cup studios mm-hmm. and so it was like a dinner scene and we had to wear like date clothes and um you know i was just like sitting across from a stranger that, where we were just like whispering like rutabaga rutabaga or whatever <laughs> but I, I don't even think the camera like angle ended up catching our corner of the restaurant set like I they hate that so much they populated the set mm-hmm. and then you know then it's just like a matter of like how they set the angles up mm-hmm. isn't it that's the weirdest and most disappointing sensation because at the very least i want to be able to call home and be like mom you might be able to see me on such and such a show it's yeah. always to my mother because she did one extra gig and then so therefore she's excited anytime i do one and it's like, well, fuck, you can see me zero places, yeah, even zero. though I should have been on camera the but whole time. What is so crazy is, like, there were probably, like, 15 extras there, and you can only ever see one or two. Yeah, right. Because they're right behind the principal actors. Yeah. And then those those two people who get seen or who know they're right up on camera, sometimes, well, it depends on the set you're on, but some people get way too excited about <laughs> it and really think that's their break. Yeah, it's going to be something really huge for them. I will say, like, what by then, like, I like working a day of extra work uh, at the union rate of extra work mm-hmm. felt like, you know, like I was like getting somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, because even though you're barely making any money, <laughs> sure, you're still like contributing to like your yearly health insurance quota and your pension, which I didn't even understand all that stuff until later years in mm-hmm. my union and stuff. But now I recognize sort of the value of, you know, just being on a set and doing stuff. But yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, and at that point, were you pretty much just like, yeah, this is just, a, this is a job and I don't expect anything to come of it because I've done this enough. Or did you uh, hope? Did you secretly hope? Because I, you never know. I like think it. I secretly. I think I. I think anytime I enter the arena, mm-hmm. until I had been crushed, until my until my hopes and dreams were trampled on enough time, <laughs> mm-hmm. that I would always have a glimmer of, hey, maybe they need someone to deliver a line. You know, maybe sure. th- this will be like a. I'll have what she's having moment, you know, and then it'll be like this iconic moment in this like scene where you were, were, you know, they decided on the fly to throw that to some extra, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you've got this, like, now you have an IMDb credit. Like you're Mm -hmm. like, I was in Sex and the City, you know, like as opposed to, you know. 
as opposed to doing what I did, which is uh, blah, 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 uncredited. That's how I got myself onto IMDb, because I'm like, fuck it. I will just use my extra gigs as yeah. an excuse. That was the well, only Well, that reminds me of another extra, but let's keep Please. going. Please, yeah, no, no, tell me about it. Well, <laughs> now we have to migrate to Los Angeles. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's do it. I mean, unless there's more New York stories, because I don't want to interrupt the new, because we don't get enough New York stories on the show. So I think that might have been it for me for New York stories because, okay. and the reason I say that is because um, I was only there for two years. Okay, sure. And so uh, during those two years, it was, you know, that was the extent of like opportunities that came my way in that world. I get the impression from the little I hear about it that extra work is fewer and further between in New York because I guess, you know, it's a smaller film community. So I'm assuming yeah. them harder to get in. Yeah, probably. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when you first come out to L.A., what's what are you coming out to L.A. for? So I um, when I had moved to New York, um, I really did have a plan and my plan was I was going to live in New York for five years and I was going to build a extensive professional theater resume that would um, seamlessly transition me into television work Okay. because I would be so well known as, as you know, from all of my Broadway credit, like, sure. you know, like, you know, like maybe I get to play like Mary Louise Parker's little sister in a hit Broadway run. Of course. Probably get nominated for a Tony, but at least attend the Tonys to watch her win. And of course, sure. you know, she's your cheer, friend. Cheer on the playwright, you know, um, that was not my <laughs> I tried to, I did a lot of like off, 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 off Broadway stuff. I mm -hmm. did, like I said, the regional gig in rural Minnesota in January. Um, I, but I like hustled, like I really hustled. And then I was there during the 9-11 attack. Oh shit. Okay. And I was also uh, in I was in a committed relationship with a sociopath mm. and I didn't know the extent of his duplicity until after the attacks uh, on 9-11. <laughs> this is the worst time for me to be catching my light. I'm so <laughs> sorry. You're telling me an important personal story and my fucking light is falling off of my monitor. It's I'm so sorry. probably like the universe like is out of balance because I mentioned that. I know, right? <laughs> the person I was living with who was leading a double life but that's oh, gross so that's all of this was going on and i was very um as you can imagine as all of us were as americans very traumatized by the terrorist attacks I, mm -hmm. and um you know i was working in midtown and mm. you know it, it was just as someone who was like a struggling artist i was and i was working a nine-to-five job at the time to support my bills and then like my support system kind of crumbled. I had okay. friends out here in LA already that I talked with regularly mm -hmm. and uh, we had gone to school together and um, it just seemed like it was better to shorten my five-year plan. Uh, I just didn't see me like 
taking Broadway by storm in the wake of 9-11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fair. No, fair. God, yeah, I mean, that's... I, I can't imagine... Uh, how many people had that sort of same like oh you know what maybe this is not like honestly that must have been a big (laughs) i mean just like obviously it's huge in general but like for arts people i know how many people in the arts were questioning everything they did anyway they're like is there any point to this important yeah it feels like unimportant why so if you're gonna go why you know if you if if you needed a reason to leap that might be that's the time right i mean i think if i had lived in new york longer and had Mm -hmm. more had like created more of of a support system from living there alone you know mm-hmm. it would have been different because there was a lot of sentiment of you know you know like new york strong like we're not going to sure. abandon da 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 and i like which was fine for people who were established in their lives yeah you know but uh i just it i just like picked up and i moved here in november 2001 mm-hmm. and i i love television like i I did study theater and everything, but my whole goal of theater was to get into television. Yeah. So it seemed like the right, that's why I came out here was to work in television. So then I proceeded to get like three jobs, whatever I needed, bought a car, bought a car for $900 off of Craigslist. Mm -hmm. You know, I just like, I just needed to get away from the coast. Absolutely fair. I, you know, I, at least you, I'm assuming you bought a car you knew how to drive. When I first moved out here, I bought a stick and I still don't know how to drive a stick. Oh, really? I did buy a stick, but I knew, I learned you knew how. Stick. Yeah. Oh, you learned how. See, there you go. That's, that's how I a grown up does it. <laughs> it was a, it was a saw, but the guy practically like paid me to take it because he probably <laughs> was like, I can't believe this. What a sucker for taking this <laughs> saw. And, I had never driven a saw before, but like my stepbrother at the time had, and he was like, don't stick your Coke in between the seats because that's where the key, the key ignition is in between the passenger seat oh, and wow. the okay. driver's seat. <laughs> and he likes, if you stick your Coke, like I used to do between the parking brake, like would you pull up the parking brake arm mm-hmm. and the passenger oh. Like I'd wedge my Coke in between the parking brake arm and the passenger seat. Shoot. And if you brake too much, the Coke will spill in between the seats and then it gets into the key ignition. Oh my God. But that wasn't the full problem with the Saab. <laughs> the biggest problem was that the um, front hatch mm-hmm. would not catch all of the time. And so occasionally I'd be driving down Sunset Boulevard and the trunk would pop open and it completely obstruct my view while no. I was driving. So I'd have to like slow down and stop, run out of the car and then close the hatch. No. Again. Yeah, it was a lemon. I, I was, that, but that's neither here nor there. Like that was just like how I got from like whatever apartment mm-hmm. I was sharing with a friend and to the jobs I needed Holy crap. to pay my rent. But <laughs> that's disturbing. That is so. Yeah. So oh, I got God. out here and yeah, of the many jobs I, I care, I ended up doing, there were, there were background, background opportunities. Do you know what your first background job was out here? The first one in Los Angeles. I do not remember. Mm-hmm. Actually, that is not true. Okay. I do think what happened was. My first one was the big one where I ended up on Friends. Mm-hmm. 
for its final two seasons. That okay. was what got me in. Okay, so now I'm remembering. God, Jason, this is good because like you're taking me on this memory lane. Um, when I got out here and I, I was working, I um, I sold skincare products from a kiosk in the Hollywood and Highland Mall, and I also worked the to-go phones at this pizza place on Franklin Boulevard. Oh my God, love that it. That was like okay. ne- next to Birds. It was kind of next to Birds okay. and, yeah. and uh, Bourgeois Pig and on that block. Well, all this several jobs I was carrying at the restaurant where I'd pack up to-go bo- uh, orders and take the phone call orders, I was friends with a lot of the wait staff there. And one of my friends at that restaurant was a background actress mm-hmm. on the show friends and had been since the beginning of the show oh wow because she went to uga mm-hmm. uh, university of georgia with james michael tyler who is the actor who played gunther oh love it okay so james michael tyler who coincidentally is from south carolina mm-hmm. um he played gunther and michelle my friend and his um she was a waitress in Central Perk on the set of Friends since mm-hmm. the beginning of the run of Friends. Damn, okay. So I'm like, you know, constantly broke and hustling to make money, you know, been trying to go to audition, get auditions, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, do you want to work on Friends? And I was like, I was like, yeah, what's involved? She's like, it's basically two days a week and I can get you on the set as background and I was like okay great and so because of that job I ended up signing up with Central Casting Uh which is this organization where they like place you on sets and everything and as background Mm -hmm. and uh, so I got into that system like through doing all of this Mm -hmm. Uh, because I started befriending other background actors on the friends job and they're like, yeah. And they were like doing it every day or they were like working as stand-ins and they were like paying their full bills like this way. And, um, so I remember I went to central casting, which was like in Burbank. Mm -hmm. I went through the whole system, like, you know, put like fill out the forms, gave them my photos, show my union card, blah, blah, blah. And there was like basically this little orientation and I remember it very well because there was this guy who like sat, I want to say like 20 of us down in a room and you know, that like speech at the beginning of fame <laughs> where like <laughs> Debbie Allen is like, you have to sweat, you have to work at people or whatever. <laughs> it was like the opposite of that. He was, he's basically like, yeah, there's about like, 70 million people who want to become an actor only three out of 70 million like whatever he was saying and so (laughs) basically all of you this is the best you're ever going to get so when we call you like you need to show up on time you need to wear exactly what you said away because like what we tell you to wear and and if we find out that you don't we're just going to drop you from the roster and that'll be it uh you know essentially and and basically like your worms you're nothing wow. like I mean, that was like the subtext of it and <laughs> i remember like being like dude like i excuse me like i was on a set with kim control <laughs> like, i don't know what <laughs> how could you possibly be talking to me like this 
like this is beneath me like <laughs> whatever. like okay fine so I, I just was so like turned off by it but on the other hand like then I would start getting calls for shows and stuff like that sure as I got involved on the friend set through word of mouth through like a, a friend that's and interesting I ended up working on that set for the final two years of its run that's crazy when you say the, the this is something because I've only ever done uh, like live audience show once a single time and it was insane but it was only one day I was brought in for this so were you so what is what does two days mean for you were you there for the rehearsals yes okay wow yes. so um when I worked on friends and um I will tell you some other background stories sure because you had reminded me but when I worked on friends which was really the pinnacle obviously by background I mean in in 2001 come on it's still the biggest show right it, it well here's the thing by the end of the run of that show mm -hmm. they were making so much money that the craft services on show days <laughs> was almost like <laughs> I mean it was like a final meal if you before an execution like basically <laughs> like it, it was anything like you know they they would have like cheesesteaks and Courtney Cox would fly in Chick-fil-A because this was before Chick-fil-A was even a thing here uh-huh yeah 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 you know, she they flew have, it in yeah she flew it in holy fuck they would have like sushi they uh, like you wow. like the the perks of working on this set mm -hmm. as a background person was pretty good especially like if you were like pretty broke and like I only ever ate at the restaurant I worked you know like I was mm -hmm. just scrounging around um but it, yeah so it would be two days it, the first day would be rehearsal and we'd show up and um they you know like they mark through all the scenes and stuff like that mm -hmm. and then the second day would be the show day and the way that they worked on friends was really intense because sometimes there were times we would go until like two in the morning until they got things right. Holy crap. And okay. those, those are like amazing days because mm -hmm. then you're going into like overtime and golden time. Sure. And then all of a sudden your paycheck starts getting bigger and bigger mm -hmm. for just hanging around and being yeah. fed, fed all night with your buddies mm -hmm. who you see every week because it's like there's a core group of us mm -hmm. that come back every week and the stand-ins are the same and everything. I don't think I've mentioned to our audience just a quick thing because it's not something I've ever experienced because I've never been union, but people should understand there's your regular pay. After eight hours, you get time and a half. After whatever, it becomes double time. But then at golden time, which is what, 16 hours? Is it a 16? Is that Yeah, I don't even remember. I just remember one time we were there, we went into golden and I was like, hell yeah, let's you get I your hope daily they never rate get it for right. an hour. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. And, and sushi. That and sushi. And sushi. So. What happens is you're there the whole time, even if you, there's only one scene in Central Park where they need people. Mm -hmm. Like they're, you're there the whole time they're shooting. The sh you're there all day. Like you get there all day and they hold mm -hmm. you all day. And um, if the joke didn't land in front of a live audience, mm -hmm. they halted everything and the writers would cluster around whatever actor who's delivering it. And they would like test out like 10 different lines it's crazy and it would sometimes it would take like an hour you know and we would be like oh i hope they never get it because we want money you know <laughs> right you know wow. so we were just like and then what is fun about being what was fun for me um was the because michelle 
and James Michael Tyler, and then this other girl, Kimmy, who was the other waitress in Central Park, and then there were a bunch of other, like a handful of extras that were the OG. Mm -hmm. They were there since day one. Mm -hmm. And they would have stories about, like, the early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we'd be there, and they're like, well, one time... You know, so and so brought vodka into the trailer, and da da da. You know, and it would be like, and then some. And remember when he made out with that guest actress, and da, you know, da, and they <laughs> couldn't find him for ten minutes, and it was like stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, it was so fun to hear all about it. And they're like, yeah, in the early days, we'd get hot dogs, <laughs> and then like by the time I was working on it, it was like sushi, you know. So. <laughs> It was just a very funny little trajectory that they had all been a part of this thing since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. And I'll never forget. I was going to tell the story. But one time, because Friends was on the Warner Brothers lot, stage 24, as Mm -hmm. Friends fans probably know. And, oh, I was working on a different show. Okay. This is the one I wanted to tell you about. Uh Uh-huh. Wait, what was that? Yeah. And I had to use the bathroom that was like a general bathroom on the set of, on the lot, mm-hmm. on the lot. And there were some other background actresses from different shows. We were all in there. I guess it was like lunch break or something. Mm-hmm. And someone was talking and they were like, oh, you know, I worked on Will and Grace and da, 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 da. You know, they were like saying all their thing, their little background stories. And they're like, mm-hmm. I mean, and then they're like, God, if I could just get on Friends, if I could work background on Friends, and I overheard them say that, and I was like, Oh, I, I, I was working background on Friends. I, I do it sometimes, you know, when they need Central Park, da da da. And they were like, You work background on Friends, and I was like, Yeah, and they're like, Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm working background. Like, I kill just to get an audition to have one line on something, you know? Like, I'm trying to get my IMDb credit. I'm trying to get an agent. I'm trying to, you know, this and that and the other. And uh, they were, like, impressed by that. And I thought that, and then I was like, you know, we have sushi on show night. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, of course, at that point, you got to let it hang out. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is like the world of extra work. It gets very insular, especially for the people who either aren't trying to pursue an acting career, which there are there. Or there's also the people who I talked about somebody about this last week uh, are there as a friggin' hobby because they're loaded, apparently, because yeah. you meet those people. But then yeah. there are folks like yourself who are like, oh, no, a line would be great. Um, this is cool and everything, but a line would be fantastic. a line would help me out like so much. <laughs> like you have no idea. And it's like they don't. Yeah, it's like go away, kid. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so the one time I got I got bumped up. Um, Thank you. That was my next question. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yes. <laughs> well, you had mentioned uh, being listed as uncredited on IMDb, and I just want to tell you. So mm-hmm. one so one time, um, I uh, ended up doing a day of background work on Desperate Housewives, and I okay. think I actually got on because a friend knew someone or you know somehow i got uh i got hooked into to work on desperate housewives and somehow they ended up throwing me and this guy a line we were shopping in a mattress store that was the scene Mm 
-hmm. And Eva Longoria's character was this model who was on the mattresses. And I guess we were supposed to ask her a question. Well, he got a line. Sorry. He may have already been cast as someone with one line. But they okay. needed him to not be creepy and alone, so they pulled me to be his his wife uh -huh. in the scene. So I got like a featured extra moment where um, we look at each other and react to. He asks a question about the mattress, and she's like, points to a sign that's like, "Don't talk to the model" or something. So like she can't be bothered with us. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of look at each other and roll our eyes and walk away. Well, now, so when I got pulled to be this featured. Uh, extra I was like so excited because in my mind I'm like okay now I get to finally have like an IMDb credit and everything and they put me through hair and makeup which you don't get to do when you're an mm -hmm. extra normally they just look at you and say you're not a hideous enough to ruin the shot so keep go go forward <laughs> um, and um, we had to like walk through this tight area and then duck under all of this equipment to get off screen we had to do it like three times. Oh, I hate that. Okay. So the third, like the second time, I didn't duck low enough. Mm. And my head banged into this, like, mm. I don't know what those are called. It's like panels where they shift the light, like these mm -hmm. like screens that they're hang like they're on like these tripods or stands. Yeah. And I just, and it made like an enormously loud bang sound. And obviously, turned all the attention on me and ruined the shot mm -hmm. and it was um and uh eva longoria burst out laughing at me and i was like mortified number one that it mm -hmm. happened mm -hmm. and then a double layer of mortification that it i went bang and then i heard <laughs> oh my god and i was like Oh, like it was maybe my worst nightmare because all I wanted to do was appear professional. All I wanted to do was impress the producers in a way that they might be like, hey, let's get her to say something, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, and it was just humiliating. It was mm -hmm. humiliating. Do you want uh, me to top it to make you feel better? Would that sure. Help? Okay. Yes. I was on the show American Dreams uh, circa 2003 or By 2004. The way, Huge American Dreams fan. I probably watched every episode. I have not seen enough of it, and you can't buy it anywhere, which is annoying. So I can't really find myself. I was so in obsessed it. with American Dreams, and everyone <laughs> would be like, "Oh my gosh, like um, Arrested Development, so good." I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" I, I watch American Dreams on whatever <laughs> Sunday night or whatever, <laughs> and I cry. <laughs> I mean, there's some great stuff on it, and they always have like. Are you like the only? You only do sixties. I mostly at the time because I had enough. I actually had hair. And when it was styled and you put me in glasses, I looked you look like period. a 60s guy. Yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. And I was young enough to still play a teenager. This was a <laughs> This is so fucking embarrassing. This, this, I think, probably told it a million times, but I don't care. It's meant to care. make people feel it. better. Uh, it was a sit in. So this is later in the show's run. So we're doing a sit in, and it's in the hall of the, the school. And <laughs> all I can remember understandably is a snore me waking myself up the entire crew and cast looking at me because oh. i had been sleeping and snoring oh my gosh having 
I won't go into detail, but let's just say a very personal dream. And it was the most uncomfortable thing because I'm like, was I just speaking out loud? Was anything happening? I hope to God it was just a snore. But either way, everybody staring at me. Wasn't kicked off set. We kept going. But I, I still get like ill knots in my stomach thinking about it. How horrible. And no one sitting next to you bothered to put like poke you away. I woke myself up. I woke myself up. I was probably drooling too. Who knows? You know, like all the worst possible stuff at once. Oh so, my gosh. So that's why I always ask, have you ever fucked up a take on this show? Which is another question I like to oh, ask. Oh, and I accidentally answered it. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've, done, I've done that at least three times. I walked into a camera on Joan of Arcadia and then I overacted drunk on the show Las Vegas in, uh, with 100 <laughs> or 200 extras and they called out and cut because of me because I was overacting. It. I was overacting. That sounds more embarrassing than the snoring. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. <laughs> hey, Mr. Stumbles, they said. Hey, Mr. Stumbles, you want to tone it down a bit? Okay. Okay. Jeez. Uh -huh. That's hardcore. <laughs> it's pretty hardcore. That is hardcore. <sighs> but, you know, well, well, I'm sorry that you got laughed at when you probably bruised the shit out of yourself. From uh, and, the the, and then the crew guys, the Teamster guys are like, everyone just a moment are you okay because their whole thing okay, is safe, there you safe, go. safety you know mm -hmm. and it was like well obviously emotionally i'm not okay yeah i am humiliated you know and of course i'm like beat red and i'm like i'm fine you know i could have been bleeding from the from the top of my head and i would have been like i'm totally fine let's keep going <laughs> but i i mean i i was fine it was more the embarrassment that was the of injury course. yeah yeah woof so is so that ended up being like super featured extra, not a line in that case, right? But you were bumped up to Correct. a featured extra. Okay, I got bumped up, so I I put it on IMDb as uncredited because of course, it's true as you should. Um, well, what I, about have, your... I have footage of it. I think I used it on my real early days. Oh, awesome! I, yeah. again, would love to see that. Otherwise, I'm going to have to look for it. But not but... very. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get me that many jobs. So. Sure, sure, sure. What about your first line then? Was your first line something that you were hired from for an, from an audition or were you ever bumped up to a line mm. as you were bumped up? Never to bumped future? up to a line. Okay. Never bumped it's up rare. to a line. It's rare. So it's so rare. It would have been through an audition. I'm trying to think, what was my first line? Uh, yikes. <laughs> uh, well, not counting commercials because mm -hmm. I started working in commercials before I started working in television because, and the only reason that was the case mm -hmm. was because I had gotten a commercial agent well before I was able to secure a theatrical agent. I mean, that's um, not bad though. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it was, it was helpful for me. And I think it also prepared me. It, it built a muscle in me for, um, theatrical television, uh, and movie auditions mm -hmm. because when you're auditioning for commercials you are going like to so many of them yeah over and over to the point where you become almost like desensitized to the process in a way where you divorce your ego from anything you know mm -hmm. and, and i think that's a good muscle um because also when you're starting in tv um and you are only going for these small lines mm -hmm. um those are very challenging auditions compared to scenes with an art with another okay. pers person. Okay. Um, Cause you have but, to nail it in one, you got to nail it in one reading. You have to nail it in one and you, yeah, it, I don't know why they're different, but they, you nail it in one reading. You're, you can't put any sauce on it because yeah, it has yeah. to blend seamlessly into whatever fabric of, of, 
the thing they're shooting. Sure. So, and your inclination is, is to not do, do that. Your inclination is to be like, this isn't, you know, waka waka. This of is course. how I do stuff. Of course. You know? It doesn't matter how well you're trained either. <laughs> it doesn't. But, you know, like waka waka, all rise. <laughs> you know, but that's not how it, <laughs> that's not, you have to just be like, all rise. Like you just, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you're waiting, like you're driving, you're parking, you're, you, you know, you're in the waiting room and then you're like, all rise. And then you leave. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so there's this weird muscle that you have to kind of build. I'm not sure, but I think my first one was on the television show Monk. Oh, and okay. I played a waitress mm-hmm. uh, and that had like a wrist, uh, like a fractured wrist. Okay. And so um, it, was, it was also on a, a lot. It was shot on a lot. I got mm-hmm. a little Henny Wagon trailer. This was like huge for me. Yeah. And um. Waited all day. Mine was like the final scene, the mar- martini. Mm-hmm. Is that the martini? Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm terrible at set stuff, and I've been <laughs> on enough sets now where, like, I don't, like, I just, yeah. And um, and um, I remember, like, I was very conversational, mm-hmm. and she was like, hey, um, and she was nice to me, but she whispered it. She was like, you need to pause before I say my line because of the way they're going to, they'll need some air mm-hmm. in editing or I don't know how she said it to me, but she whispered it. So I didn't look like an idiot and I mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay, thank you. But of course I was like, so embarrassed. I didn't just know that, you know? <laughs> so, um, and I don't know if they shoot things that way on every set because right. Yeah. But, um, so she helped me out. And I said my little line. And that was like the beginning of creating my reel. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that was like major. I don't remember how many auditions I went on before I got that one. But it That's was crazy. Lot. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I bet. Uh, uh, Monk, have I seen this episode? I'm just now I'm just checking to see if I must have seen this episode at some point. And there was a long time I did not have an agent. And I was mm-hmm. like, I would hustle my own auditions like, I would meet friends in acting classes or casting director workshops and they'd be like, we have this like super secret managerial company. We all pitch in together to mm. pay, for the, pay for the breakdowns and we submit each other and blah, blah, blah. And I, I like did that for like the longest time just to try to like hustle into these auditions, Yeah, which is like super, super against the rules of like the breakdowns. Like sure. that the guy who runs that uh, organization is sort of, um, how how do you say um tyrannical mm, fun i don't know i don't know him i just know like he's like very anti-actor mm, like mm-hmm. if any actor like gets access to his you know breakdown services he'll like he'll go after you to the full extent of the law wow wow yeah. okay so there's like there's a whole underground of actors that at the time i was doing this i don't sure, know sure. if there are anymore i don't know like how it works now Mm-hmm. that would try to hustle their way and then i also used to drop my headshot off all of all of the time like mm-hmm. i we'd get to the breakdowns i'd find out oh they're casting a bigger part that i'm sort of right for and so i would drive to paramount studios mm-hmm. and i'd be like to the security guard like hey i want to drop this off like the casting box da, 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 da. and they'd like let me on and then i'd go 
put it on, you know, Holy whatever. Crap. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised because post 9-11, the stories you sort of get, like that is clearly, there's a huge demarcation between before then. That's why you hear stories of people showing up. Hey, can I get some, get a job, Johnny? Sure, you can work. Just uh, put on a hard hat and you get to work. <laughs> and after 9-11, it's like, um, no, thank you. Sorry, yeah. you, you can't do it. I mean, there was a sense of like at some places where it's like the box would be at the security gate and you'd have sure. to leave it there. But every sense. now and then, if they saw you enough, it's like, come on, I just want to take this thing. They were mm-hmm. like, okay, but, you know, it just depended. But, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I never had the experience of like, hey, you want a job, Johnny? Never, ever. I have, like, I have interviewed one person who had that exact job, but he is also, at this point, I think in his 90s. And uh, it was Yeah, literally... that was a different age. That was a different generation. Yeah. That was like a different climate in terms of mm-hmm. like how many people were trying to get these jobs. Mm-hmm. He walked onto the Desilu lot and said, uh, hey, can I get a job on I Love Lucy? And they're like, sure. And he, he was a PA, and he has since directed some of the greatest episodes in sitcom history. But that's what it took. That's how we got the work. See, that I'm like a, I'm like obsessed with those stories, too. Like, I read mm-hmm. a lot of, like, Hollywood memoirs or, like, documentaries about, like, old school people. Yeah. I recently watched this documentary about Dominic Dunn. Mm-hmm. And, like, he kind of fell accidentally into television. And, you know, and all these people who just kind of f- fell accidentally into television, I'm like, what is that like? Like, this has been my dream I'm chasing for decades, and I still barely have a toe in, like, barely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. What is that like? I don't know. I don't know. You, I mean, the, the bonus, you, you, you are around in a time when, at the very least, you have um, a podcast audience accessible to you, which is nice. You yeah. Know? So at the very true. least, that is like there's this weird it's it doesn't make up for it fully aware. It doesn't make up for the dream we want. But, you know, at the very least, it's there. Yeah. We have that as an option. Agreed. Builds a fan base, which I think is supposed to be something. Could pay off. Could pay yeah, off. Maybe. Maybe. One, one, yeah. One of these days. <laughs> so this yeah. podcast has one segment and one segment only. And I may or may not have warned you about it. So don't worry if you don't have something off the top of your hand. But it's called Five and Over. Where we okay. take an extra gig or a one line or a five uh, under five line, uh, part, and you expand it into its spinoff. It doesn't have to be the same genre or medium. You can go from a sitcom to a comic book. I don't care. But I, I would love to know what's one character you would want to spin off into their own thing. Oh, that one, I have that I have done. Yeah, it could be your. It could be you know your your cafe patron. It could be anything. Mm. No lines or under five lines. Oh, no lines or under five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. I know. See, I didn't warn you. I've I've forgotten to warn a couple people. <laughs> Feel bad. Well, that's okay. I <laughs> I have you know, obvious my obvious uh well, I kinda wanna expand my mattress store shopper into like the CEO of a mattress uh, empire mm-hmm. and um, and then I can fire the Eva Longoria <laughs> character like there could be like a whole episode where I'm like I'm sorry you're, you know we no longer need your services and then she hits her head on the way out and you just go ha 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 yeah don't hit your head on the way out <laughs> I love it so she's like secret shopping just to see how her model's doing is that kind yeah. of what's happening in that episode? And then, oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Attitude. Oh, like, uh, what is that reality show, The Boss? 
working. Yeah, yeah, undercover boss. boss, I think is undercover what it's called. Boss. Yeah. <laughs> so like basically it's like and it can be like the season finale of, of this drama. Mm -hmm. where we don't know what's gonna happen during her character. And then I'm like, Oh you're done. You're done. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And then it goes for like seven more seasons and they're like and they're like, Are you sad that your character was written off? <laughs> and that's it. I love is that, it. No. Is that too vengeful? Is that too vengeful? Too vengeful? No, I think it's perfect. I oh. like that everyone's the one, the one. Somebody had one last week, and he misunderstood the question, but I let him go because it was too good. And this is the first time somebody's used it for vengeance, and I like that. I, I appreciate I mean, it. It's got its own I energy. Now that I purged it, now mm -hmm. that I purged it, I think mm -hmm. I can re reconcile my feelings for being laughed and mocked. It's fair. In front of a room full of strangers on my first day being bumped up to a featured extra. That's some but. bullshit. That's some bullshit. <laughs> that is not, that is no fair. That is rude, rude people. Don't do that to, don't do I, that to extras. I probably would not have even shared that story if in the makeup trailer they were not uh, like saying like, oh, why are we going along again? And mm -hmm. they were like blaming it on, on that particular actress. Mm -hmm. Of course. And I was like, oh interesting uh -huh. i don't know maybe it was a toxic work environment maybe i should give her the benefit of the doubt i don't know she but laughed at you after you hit your head it's fine you're fine i mean i would it. hope i would not uh laugh at somebody who hurt themselves if you knew them well enough <laughs> that that was your involved. relationship maybe like if my best friend hit his head i'd laugh at him as soon as i knew he wasn't dead you know but if I, a random person I've never met before who is getting paid a million times less than I am, no, I'd probably not laugh at them and see if they're okay. I just felt like, also, like, I I failed to see what was funny about it. Also true. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's, I guess, my little, my no, little imagination. Good. No, I, I like that. That That is your spinoff. Um, <laughs> okay. So we have a few bonus questions that I only came up with a few episodes ago. Number one, what's your favorite craft service item? in general or of all time oh um of all time the philly cheesesteak that i used mm. to put like extra ones in my backpack to take <laughs> home to eat the next day i was hoping you'd say that yeah good all right yeah. <laughs> definitely the philly cheesesteak um how about have you ever had to do a stunt or something that qualifies as a stunt or stunt adjacent no and no one would ever choose me for such because they would not want the shot to be ruined. <laughs> My last guest answer was sort of because his uh, he was in a car that was on fire. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, that's that's he's like, I don't know if that's a stunt. I'm like, your life was in danger. So that's a stunt. That's pretty crazy. That kind of you counts. get extra pay for that. You, yeah, exactly. At least a smoke bump. Um, uh, yeah. This has been a delight. I appreciate you doing this. This has um, been fun. I remember things I had forgotten about. Um, it's going to come out in a few weeks, but okay. is there anything you would like to promote? Tell people where to find you. I definitely would love for people to tune in to stay at pumpkins if they're looking for just like an easygoing comedy podcast that has mm -hmm. no agenda. Um, we put it out every week and, um, I don't know. It's just been, it's been rewarding and fun for, for us to do mm -hmm. so stay at pumpkins. And then other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at Janie Haddad or on Instagram at Lebanese Looker. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank um, you so much. I will tell 
people to, well, listen to my other shows, but uh, listen to Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast where we talk about the television news radio that your delightful husband was on an episode of. Not my podcast, oh. but he was on news radio. So, yes. you know, yeah, he was, he was, uh, of, of the guest appearances, appearances, one of the better ones. He oh. married two of the main characters on the show. Oh. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell him he was one of the best. He was a delight. Um, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And as I say every week, I'm sorry I missed your thing. I don't own a TV, so. You can find The Professional Blur on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you find podcasts. And follow Jason on Instagram at Jason Klom and follow his hashtag, The Professional Blur. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah!